In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is cooperation with Ascinda Virtual, which brings thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. You can learn more about Cinda under www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world, but we also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what that impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations, to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. And if you miss us live, don't worry, we're on every podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify. Just look up Leadership Beyond Borders. And send me an email on leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and tell me what you want to listen to on this series. So regardless if you listen to us live or if you listen to us in playback, listen to us. If you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure you take away something useful for either your business or or yourself. Now on to today's series, um, a subject that really lies in my heart, diversity, equity, inclusion. And these are not just buzzwords, but essential ingredients for success in today's global marketplace. Embracing DE&I principles is critical for fostering innovation, creating creativity, attracting top talent from diverse backgrounds. By creating an inclusive workplace, companies can tap into a wide range of experiences, perspectives, and ideas that can lead to breakthrough innovations and solutions. Furthermore, embracing diversity ensures fairness and equal opportunity for everyone, regardless of their gender, race, ethnicity, or background. It dismantles barriers and promotes a level playing fair, allowing individuals to thrive and reach their full potential. But its awareness has been a long journey, and we are certainly not at the end. And I am not even sure if we're halfway there. And our guest today has made this journey herself with passion and will not only talk about her experience, but what we have to do as individuals, countries, companies, and organizations to speed up the diversity journey. Our guest today is Colette. Phillips, and she is the president and CEO of Colette Phillips Communications and the founder and president of Get Connected. She is also the author of the new book, The Includers, The Seven Traits of Culturally Savvy Anti-Racist Leaders. Now, Colette Phillips Communications is a pioneering public relations communications boutique firm located in Boston. Get Connected is Boston's award-winning, nationally recognized premier cross-country and inclusive business networking event. It also has the GK Fund, which is a 5013 nonprofit organization working to close the racial wealth gap by facilitating access to capital, technology, and mentorship. Colette is a strategic advisor for C-level executives and corporate teams and helps them develop branding internally and externally. And she is frequently consulted by many corporations and nonprofits. So welcome to the show, Colette. It is so good to be here with you. And thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah. Thank you. Well, let let's start. What you, I I read the book The Includers and and um, how did you get this book concept? Okay, what where did the concept emerge? <laughs> well, I would say that you know you beautifully laid it out. We are against the backdrop of today's competitive and fast changing global marketplace. It, coupled with 
the America's changing demographics and also to, to a great extent, the changing demographics taking place across Europe. <laughs> and so we should view this whole marketplace through the lens of an economic perspective and realize that it is in the enlightened self-interest and profitability of companies, of countries, to really look at the landscape as to how can we better serve our changing demographics? How can we take advantage of the talent that is within these new emerging demographics, um, both for work and as consumers and customers? And when we think about it, white men are the majority decision makers in the C-suites, in elected office, in the centers of influence, in the private and public sectors. And my contention is that they cannot and should not be excluded when we talk about diversity equity and inclusion. You mm -hmm. can't have inclusion and then exclude any group or any demographic of people because of what? Their gender, their race, their religion, their background. So for me, diversity and inclusion means just that. Mm -hmm. It is incorrect to assume that the word diverse or inclusion refers to everyone other than white heterosexual men with no defined disabilities. Mm. And, and you know what? That's so true um, when you start to think about it. And um, you're, but you're right; they still hold those decisions. But I, I want to just talk a, a minute about your journey because in yes. in in the in the book you talk about you know you went to Boston in the eighties um, <laughs> and you had a and you had a and and by the way I was there too in the eighties okay um, yes. and you and you had and you had you know you said the city the city needed or had white men who can jump okay. Um, yeah. Well, um, I I was in the eighties. I don't remember a lot of jumping white men. But, <laughs> but, but can you can you explain your experience and what you mean? Well, yes. Um, the truth of the matter is, when I look back at my own personal experience here in Boston, and that's not to say I'm not trying to um, erase uh, Boston is one of the most tribal cities in America. And mm -hmm. when I came here as a young, wide-eyed, 17-year-old from the Caribbean island of Antigua, the reason why I liked the idea of my parents sending me to Boston to um, fulfill my education, to go to university, it was because Boston had a familiar sense to it from what I read. It was very much um, British, and mm -hmm. I grew up in a British colonial sort of environment in Antigua. We were a British colony. And so I thought, whoa, coming to Boston um, that will be an easy transition for me um, because it's it seemed to be culturally um, would be culturally comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, boy, was I wrong! <laughs> and uh, but I will say that I was blessed that. After I graduated from college, I went back to Antigua to um, work. And then I came back here two years later to do my master's. And when I graduated, I told my parents, oh, I'm going to stay here for two years. Well, it's been p way past like 32 years. And I'm going to stay and I'm going to come back to Antigua. 
And I will say that what I learned during that period, I was taken under the wings of two very um, wise, worldly, avant-garde, and I would say um, men who were gay men into the theater, into music, art, and they, for whatever reason, took a liking to me, and I became sort of their mentee, protege, and they introduced me to the world of the arts and the cultural aspect of Boston, and within those institutions of the Boston Ballet, the Museum of Fine Arts, the Boston Symphony, a lot of the people who were involved and engaged were the wives of the uh, chief mm. executive offices of all these big institutions and corporations. Because Boston at the time was a headquartered, corporate headquartered town before all the mergers took place. And through these men, I got to meet people that I would not ordinarily have access to as a young 20-something-year-old Black woman. Mm -hmm. And what I recognize in that moment is that, or in that time period, that even though these men were not captains of industry or they were multimillionaires, what they were were white men. Mm -hmm. And they were able to open doors, create access and opportunity for this wide-eyed, young, um, hopeful black woman, mm -hmm. black immigrant woman. And it was my first epiphany of when you have white guys who are willing to leverage their own individual agency. When I say agency, I'm talking about their power and privilege to create access and opportunities for others. It can bolster, boost, amplify, elevate the careers, the business opportunities for people who are not white. Mm -hmm. and may not be men for both women and people of color. So mm -hmm. that's how I actually got the idea for this book because I thought, you know, women and people of diverse cultural backgrounds keep feeling like they are marking time in cement or like Sisyphus. They're mm -hmm. climbing that mountain with the big boulder on their chest and as soon as they get to the top it starts rolling back down mm -hmm. that yeah. in order to get over the precipice and the barriers of the structural institutional and systemic structural barriers we need to engage with white males white men allies and that allyship matters. The civil rights movement, if we learned anything from the civil rights movement in this country, that it was white allyship that helped Dr. King mm -hmm. and propelled him and got the civil rights um, laws passed. It was Lyndon Baines Johnson, you know, who passed the most sweeping civil rights laws and policies in this country, a white Southern man who in his past life was a white segregationist yeah. and who had a transformation. We cannot do this. This whole concept of divisiveness, of an us versus them, that's not going to get us over that precipice. We have to bring white men into the fold and not to be the heroes and the, um, you know, the, the white knights charging in on their horses. We want them to stand in the breach with women and people of color 
and to serve by leaning in, listening, learning, and leading from behind. Yeah, very, very good point, because I think we do forget about it. We think a lot about us versus them, and that's a really good point and a fantastic story. And when I look at Boston today, I think Boston's come a long way. I mean, Michelle Vu was the first person of color and Asian American to become mayor, so I think there's been a lot going on. But we're going to take a short break, Um, and for our listeners, we're talking with Colette Phillips, the president and CEO of Colette Phillips Communications and founder president of Get Connected. And she's also the author of the book, The Seven Traits of Culturally Savvy Anti-Racist Leaders. And you can go to her website and it's www.cpcglobal.com. And you can also go to www.getconnected.com and also www.gkfund.org. So you can go there to reach out to her. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, one of Europe's largest nonprofit associations trying to uh, help SMEs across Europe with digital. So with that, we're going to take a short break, collect, and we'll be right back, listeners. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. What's holding your business back from long-term growth? How can you accelerate the changes needed to build an adaptable platform to support transformative change? How are others optimizing business processes and systems to ensure timely decision-making through the use of data? Learn how you can minimize disruption and maximize results. Take a break with Rising, our weekly expert panel, and our host, Bonnie D. Graham, to learn how others are getting smart with technology and creating their next-gen ERP. Join us on Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise, presented by Rising, a Wipro company, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Colette Phillips, and she's the president and CEO of Colette Phillips Communications and the founder of Get Connected and the GK Fund. And she's also the author of the book, The Includers, The Seven Traits of Culturally Savvy Anti-Racist Leaders. So, um, incredible story, Colette, okay? And you're absolutely right. A lot of times we think of us versus them, but we need more allies and white men, um, even though they are primarily, you know, they still are primarily the decision makers um, in companies and organizations. And let, let's talk a little bit about organizations, okay? Um, because in your book, you talk about um, some of the benefits and the cost of of when a company does not embrace diversity, okay? Yes. And so could you co- co- talk a little bit around that? Yes. Well, you know, lots of research has been done um, by Harvard Business School, by consulting 
agencies and firms like McKinsey and Deloitte that totally um, show. So this is not Colette Phillips, black woman, you know, talking this. This is really, um, um, we have had empirical research and documentation and data that shows that companies that embrace diversity, gender diversity, and racial diversity tends to outperform their competitors. When you have an organization and companies that lack diversity are, and you know they're increasingly passed over by investors, by customers, by potential employees who want to do business with companies where they feel reflect their values of inclusion. Mm-hmm. So there is also, I think, less innovativeness and inventiveness, a business model and an employee base that do not include diverse perspectives, for example. And when I think of diversity, I think of diversity in its fullness, you know, that it's beyond race and gender. It's mm-hmm. diversity of thoughts, it's diversity of ideas. And, you know, when you have that kind of perspective, that diverse perspective, new things and new ideas can come about that could be profitable for companies. And also, you have a constant, what I call, revolving door. You know, organizations that fail to fully embrace and appreciate inclusion, they suffer high turnover because Mm. you have women and um, people of diverse cultural backgrounds or religions come into a company where they don't see people who look like them at the top of the pyramid and they don't feel like they belong. Then they come in they and they move on. And yeah. look at the monies that you have spent investing and training and, you know, helping this these people grow. And then they leave because yeah. they leave because they don't feel comfortable. You also make dysfunctional decision making because when you don't have diversity and inclusion as a core value, you are prone to make what I call knee-jerk short-term decisions as opposed to informed long-term um, strategy mm-hmm. that's going to impact your bottom line. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we see that, um, and I think it's even, the impact is even more now generational. I mean, maybe yes. with um, us of us who are Generation X, we might suck it up for a while, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> You know, but but I'm going to tell you the Gen Z is not going to suck it up. Oh okay? no! No, no, yeah, no, no way! No way! No way! No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to go. They're going to turn in and out, and and um, you know, these people need to contribute. But I, I have a question because this is kind of a pet peeve of me. Okay, um, uh, D E and I programs. Okay, every company has them, but every company doesn't live them. Um, yes. And, yes. You know. Um, uh, how effective are they, and how can companies ensure they are effective? Well, the way in which you do that is you have to ensure that diversity, equity, and inclusion, that you have to see inclusion as the linchpin, which mm-hmm. means that everyone needs to have a voice. Everyone's voice needs to feel heard. And treated and valued. You know, when you have people who feel valued and and respected and um, appreciated, guess what? They're going to do their best because they're going to perform at a high performing rate. And they're going to give you the best of who they are. In um, In my book... There are, um, what I should say, illustrations made as to how the whole aspect can be embedded, how includers, which is what I refer to 
these white male leaders as includers, mm -hmm. how they embed diversity, equity, and inclusion within their organization and stakeholder relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, it's embedded across every single aspect of the company, that every decision you're making, you're making it and thinking, how is this going to impact our bottom line? How is this going to impact our employees? How is this going to impact our um our investors, our, our you know, st stockholders. Mm -hmm. And so you have to think about your customers or clients um, who can become brand ambassadors and validators for your organization's commitment to DE&I. And I think there's a lot of conversation going on now in America about you know, do we need diversity, equity, and inclusion? And what does that mean? Mm. Of course we do. We have to. Because guess what? You know, the whole aspect of migration and people moving from other countries into America, I believe that America has to be the model for the world of how people of all backgrounds, culturally, ethnically, linguistically, can coexist. And when people travel, this is what I want people to understand. When people come from other countries into another country, they don't check their norms and their habits and all of that at, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the airport. They bring them with them. And think about yourself as an American, as a European. If you move to a different part of the world, one of the first things you do is you look for other people who come from your cultural background to, affili to affiliate with. Because it gives you a sense of comfort. Mm -hmm. you, you, you speak the same language. You have culturally things in common, but it does not mean that you do not acculturate to your new home. You yeah. must in order to fit in. So mm -hmm. it's very much the same thing in an environment, a work environment. When people come to work and they are able to bring their whole selves. Think. Let me just give you an example. Think about what happened in the American Armed Forces, when people who were members of the LGBTQIA plus community were not able to be their authentic selves, mm -hmm. they had to literally live in the, in the closet, if you will, in the literal and figurative yeah. closet were unhappy and miserable. You think they brought their best selves to work every day? When every day they were living in fear and traumatized and loathing, thinking, oh my God, is this the day I'm going to be found out? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. there is that hanging fear. Whereas when people can be themselves, when they are feeling like as a woman of color as a woman i can i can i can be my feminine self i don't mm -hmm. have to try remember back in the 80s you're talking how women we as women used to try to dress up dress up as a guy we were <laughs> even using wearing ties and bow ties yeah because we wanted to fit in look <laughs> and feel you know like we were part of the the guy group. Well, yeah. you're not a guy. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. a woman. No, and you're right. You should be able to embrace your feminine side and your yeah. femininity and not feel like, oh, I got to, in order to be respected and accepted, I got to act like one of the boys. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? You're not one of the boys. You're never going to be one of the boys. I remember so, that so well. I mean, honestly, honestly. Um, I, but I want to jump on this, this inclusion part, because, and I want to ask yeah. um, one quick question before we um, have another break. Um, and, okay, we talk about they have to feel included, okay? Now, yes. a lot of times we have 
quotas and pushing. And I'm using the European Union has the EU Directive 2381. For our listeners, that is a, a current policy that begins to ensure a gender balance on boards. Okay, and it's meant to push them. It's meant to move the needle, but it doesn't necessarily mean inclusion. So, what what is your feeling on these on quotas? You know, to, do you think they move the needle, or do you think that they are just don't work. Well, I think there are people who are opposed to the idea of quotas. I think what, for me, seems to be better is to have benchmarks, Mm -hmm. to have metrics, to say, let me give you an example. Um, The New England Patriots, the American football um, team yeah. here in New England that is owned by the Crafts. They just promoted their first ever head coach who happens to be a man of color. Mm-hmm. And in making the announcement, Robert Kraft says that Gerard Mayo was the best man for the job. And basically, I am now paraphrasing he just happened to also be a black man. Right, yeah. We, he, he basically said, I did not hire Gerard because he was black. I hired him because he was good. He was the best and most qualified person to step into this role that Belichick left. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. fact that he was black was... Incidental. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to think if you're going to bring women in. Yes, I like the idea of having gender balance because what it says is that we come to our work and we view things with an inclusive lens. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have, I'll give you another example. I was once invited to sit on the board of a company that were making um, mobile visits to to community health centers that could not afford to have um, the mammograms because the mm-hmm. yeah. um, equipment was so expensive. So this is this was the business. I walked into that room and there were nine men. Mm. I, I was the first woman <laughs> to work into the mammogram, yeah. <laughs> to serve on this board. And yeah. the men would all laugh and we'd all sort of joke about it that here you had a group of older white men making decisions about a the health care of oh. women yeah. in general. Yeah. So there were things that I was able to bring to the discussion that would never occur to a man. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yeah. if you have, for example, um, when when these women, when you go to these clinics that are in diverse communities, do we have interpreters? Yeah. We have people who speak the language of the patient and not their husband or their son or their daughter, but someone who works for the organization that can speak to that yeah. person in their language. Yeah. So, I mean, it comes back, we have to take another break, and I think that's fascinating, and it's kind of it's kind of chuckly, but when I, my question, come back to my question, it, we're circling back on to inclusion and, and getting, you know, getting those white men alleys again it kind of comes all the way back absolutely okay so we're going to take a break and um when we come back i just want to talk about what kind of leadership we need to um do this a little bit better and for our listeners we're talking to colette phillips and she is the president and ceo of colette phillips communications and she is the author of the seven traits of culturally savvy anti-racist leaders and you can reach out to her on www.cpcglobal.com on www.getconnected.com and www.thegcpc.com 
ukfund.org. And we're also brought to you by CINDA. And you can reach out and learn about CINDA's Europe's biggest nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, listeners, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Tune in to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program to discover exactly what to consider with your money now in light of the current economic and investing environment. Host Dennis Tubergen, a four-time best-selling author and consultant to the financial industry, analyzes the current investing climate and interviews some of the brightest minds on the planet in the fields of investing, economics, and finance. Weekly episodes of the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program available at 12 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Colette Phillips, the president and CEO of Colette Phillips Communications and the founder and the president of Get Connected. And she also the author of The Includers, The Seven Traits of Culturally Savvy Anti-Racist Leaders. So, Claire, I mean, great stories. We talked about quotas. We talked about inclusion, D-E-N-I. Um, let's, let's get to let's get to the bottom of your book here, okay? Yes. Um, seven Traits of Culturally Savvy Anti-Racist Leaders, okay? Um, we know that leadership drives the bus, pushes the needle. So what are those traits look like to be successful in today's environment? Well, first of all, the, I think the first and most in, one of the most important traits, all of these traits are important. And many of the men that are featured in the book I think exemplify, they're exemplars of these traits. Character, mm-hmm. you know, character begets integrity. It means that you operate with civil, ethical leadership counts. So you must exhibit character, be able to, and that's something that I think inclusive leaders are imbued with. The other mm-hmm. is cultural intelligence. You know, whether it's insight, self-awareness to sort of mitigate misunderstandings. You know, you're dealing in an environment with women, with people of different backgrounds and religious backgrounds, gender identity, um, ethical, I mean, ethnic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds. So having some cultural intelligence is important. Um, Connections. You know, making connections, that means, for me, it means getting out of your comfort zone. Life Mm. begins at the end of your comfort zone. You know, if you're only connecting with people who share your uh, cultural and racial and ethnic identity, 
how boring is that? Yeah, you know, you, you need <laughs> to get to know new people. And I find when when we push the envelope, we re we realize how much more we have in common than what unites us is much more powerful than what divides us. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think the way to find that is to make connections, to cross over, to go into a room and you see people who are different, go up and introduce yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, get to know that person, ask the right questions. And and that connections are, are, are very important. The other connect, the other trait is communications. We have to know how to communicate, how to the right type of um, words and phrases and, and recognizing that sometimes you can't make jokes in when you're dealing with people from different cultures because something that might work in America, work in, in Europe, may not work if you're talking to people in China, if you're interacting with people from India, the Caribbean, Africa. So those things, understanding your, you know, the, the elements of communications and how to interact, collaboration. Nobody can do any mm -hmm. kind of work on their own. They have to be able to build alliances, uh, allyship. You mm -hmm. know, if you're a white guy, get to know some women, get to know some people of color, get to know... You know, if you're a straight white guy, get to know some gay white man, men and, mm -hmm. and get to know them and hear some of their challenges and issues. Uh, courage. It takes enormous courage. I think if I were to say of all the seven traits, which one you ask me, if you ask me which one was the most important, mm -hmm. I would say courage. Because sometimes you have to go against the grain. and. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fearless leadership and focused decisions. And sometimes at your own personal, professional risk and peril, you have the courage to do things that you know you might be criticized for, but you mm -hmm. believe this is the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and the last uh, trait is the trait of commitment, that having that commitment to stay the course and win, you know, to, to bring all of this together, you must have the commitment. And I think what we are seeing now, those people who did not go into DE&I, a lot of American companies sort of embraced DE&I right after George Floyd, but mm -hmm. they didn't do the foundational aspect to grow roots. This was a window dressing. And so mm -hmm. now that they're being criticized, they're rolling it back. They're, dis they're basically dissolving and ending their DE&I offices, which says this was just, this wasn't real. Mm -hmm. And yep. so the people who are recognizing and are staying the course they made a commitment early that this is good for the bottom line. And that's what I want people to understand. There is a business aspect. Yes, there is a moral aspect to this. But at the end of the day, it's in the enlightened self-interest of yeah. corporations to think their business with an inclusive lens. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, I mean, really important seven traits for leaders, um, um, especially in this global environment. I mean, um, you, you have companies that have, you know, offices all over the world. And before they'd only come together once in a while. But now with technology, they can come together all the time. So I just want to ask a question about one of these traits, and that's cultural intelligence. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, everybody talks about emotional intelligence. Okay. Okay. But how can emotional intelligence fuel cultural intelligence? Well, I think emotional intelligence it comes from a place of empathy. Mm -hmm. There is a native indigenous American proverb that says, do not judge me till you have walked a mm. mile in my moccasins. 
Mm-hmm. And so cultural an cultural IQ checklist includes knowing your own implicit biases. Mm-hmm. We all have biases. I have biases. And so we need to, to look at ourselves, hold up a mirror to ourselves, be willing to be introspective and ask, you know, do I include people when I, you know, am I excluding certain people and why am I doing that? You know, and understand your privilege. When people talk about white privilege, it doesn't mean that as a white person, you did not have a hard time growing up. You Mm -hmm. may not have to the manner born or born with a silver spoon in your mouth or born in the royal family or Mm -hmm. you were born poor, you worked your way up, but your skin color, your religion, your ethnicity was not one of those things that made right. your life hard. So that's yeah. what white privilege, it's not, uh, don't see it, don't think of it as some kind of, a, you know, us against them. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I realize that when you walk into a room and when I walk into a room, I can't hide because I'm a black woman. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a dark-skinned black woman, so you're going <laughs> to see me. You know, I cannot pass for anything other than black. So yeah, I know. know that I get looked at and probably judged differently than when someone like you walk into the room. And yeah. so you might have been brought up or born, you know, not with the silver spoon in your mouth. But nobody is going to make any judgments on that. But for me, they said, oh, maybe she grew up in the ghetto or she lived in a project when she grew up. Well, I hate to disavow you of the fact that I grew up in a very um, (laughs) upper middle class, successful family environment on the island of Antigua. But I don't go around saying that. And unless you are really close to me, you wouldn't know that. You just assume, oh, this is a black woman, you know, she could, couldn't possibly um, be have access to the kinds of things that I say to people in America when I am here, I have to do my own laundry. When I'm in Antigua, I have someone to do it for it. yeah so no, i have to i have to we i'm gonna ask you we i want to we're getting towards the end i'm gonna ask you one question but i have to make a, i have to make a funny comment okay in yeah. the in the 80s when i was starting out of work um i'm blonde like very blonde and um yeah. i i dyed my hair brown okay because i would get too many oh she can't be smart how'd she get you know she's blonde she can be, exactly. she has to be stupid. okay but anyways we're getting towards the end so i'd like just um uh, we have last words for our listeners, okay? Um, you know, how do you envision your book helping to contribute? And do you have any, you know, last messages to leaders that are listening out there for them? Yes. Step out of your ivory tower <laughs> and talk to your employees. Yeah. Talk to the people who live in your neighborhood who may not share a common Um, background like you, Uh, you know, be a little adventurous. As I said, step out of your comfort zone because life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And it's amazing what you can learn when you begin to engage with people who may not share a common background like you. What you find is your common humanity. That's what you discover. Mm-hmm. I really like that life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Uh, really wonderful, wonderful. And um, your book, I highly recommend your book um, to all our listeners. And once again, uh, we've been talking with Colette Phillips, and she is the president and CEO of Colette Phillips Communications and the founder and president of Get Connect. 
and the GK Fund, and she is the author of The Seven Traits of Culturally Savvy Anti-Racist Leaders, and we just talked about what those, at a high level, what those seven traits are, but if you get Colette's book, you can get a lot more information about those seven traits, and also some fantastic examples of some leaders out there, um, white man leaders, who are really stepping up and trying to ensure that inclusion is in their companies. So please get the book, The Seven Traits of Culturally Savvy Anti-Racist Leaders. Now you can go to her website at cp cpcglobal.com and also on www.getconnected.com and on www.thegkfund.org. Now, uh, Colette is also on LinkedIn under Colette Phillips, and that's Colette with one L. Okay, and um, she is on Twitter under Colette at, at CP Global and under at Colette Phillips on Twitter, as well as on Facebook under CP Global and on Instagram under CP. So you can find her, find her all over the social network. And Colette, once again, thank you so, so much. It's been, as I said, we could have probably done um, <laughs> another hour because we didn't get, we didn't even get through half my questions. So, oh, um, so it was just really fun. Um, and thank you so much for doing what you're doing and um and again i love your quote life begins at the end of your comfort zone okay and it's been a pleasure having you um for our listeners this broadcast is also brought to you by cinda and cinda is one of europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations they hold virtual trainings conference do market research and legislative white papers focused on digital um they also have a platform for entrepreneurs and founders and it's completely free and you can go on there and um it's a learning platform that helps you from idea to exit. Uh, so go to www.cinda.org under Cinda for Startups to have free access to that platform, and you do not have to be in Europe to access that platform. And Cinda also has a conferences, and the next conference is May 12th to 15th in Berlin, Germany. And with that, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And once again, Colette, um, all the best. Thank you. Say hi to Boston for me. I did go to school there also. So, <laughs> you know, and um, thank you for, for, for talking with us today, Colette. Yes. Thank you, Kim. And I'm glad to see you're back to being blonde. Blonde has more, more fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. All right. And listeners, thank you again. And tune in every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time and tune in next week. And with that, goodbye and have a great week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.